there are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the, the case. Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. My name is Luke. I'm Salty. I'm Cam. Oh, what was that? Oh, hey. I'm just upping my energy. Yeah, yeah, cool. Good. Put a smile on your dial. Yeah. Do an exciting little move. Because you know what? Even though they can't see us, mm. they know we're smiling. Yeah. Get Always. out. Get out of here with that call set of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's why I've got a little mirror attached to my mic stand, so that like. Is, is that something they do? I think so. Some people. What are we going to talk about? Do you ever work at a call centre? Oh, I did two weeks of training at a call centre once. Yeah, same. It was awful. Uh, no, it was the have. worst thing. The worst possible thing. I remember there were like all of these motivational posters on the wall. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, this is like really fucked. <laughs> yeah. It's and then I was like, well, and then I got a better job and quit after the two weeks of training. Yeah. And I went and worked at like a, not a normal job, but like a, like for real people. Mm. I thought, oh, thank God I'm never going to have to deal with that. Anyway, <laughs> we, egg on my face. Uh, what are we talking about? Well, it's week 52. Yeah. Which is kind of a year. Which is kind of a year, indeed. Oh, yeah, I see what you did. Yeah? Yep. The listeners don't know. They'll understand in like 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, so we thought we'd do a big cahoons because it's kind of a year, but not really a year. What? Cahoons. A big cahoons. Short for kahuna. The kahuna. <laughs> it's the same length. But anyway, because it's our one year anniversary, it's our birthday. Kind of. I'll let it go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about satanic panics. We're going to be talking about a few satanic panics from history. Mm. Yeah. Are we Now, it's my understanding we're going to be doing Salem Witch Trials. Yep. As its kind of own thing. Yep. And then the 80s slash early 90s. Satanic panic. Okay, cool. But like what I've noticed as we've done this, and I think we've commented on this a few times, that the idea that there are Satanists or some sort of satanic conspiracy underpins a whole heap of the stuff we talk about. Mm. Even if it's not explicitly referred to, it's just mm. assumed knowledge. There's a lot of similarities with Pizzagate. And the original satanic panics of the early 80s. Mm. Uh, I think you'd probably draw a direct line from those things. A lot of similarities I think we'll find between uh, the satanic panic of the 80s mm. 
and the Satanic Panic of the uh, 1680s. Right. So yeah, we're, that's we're, right. I got a little thesis. Yeah, right. Yeah. Where are we going to start on this one? Should we start just, in the past? Just one. Um, well, they're both in the past. Well, you know, the far further past. Oh, I, th- I thought we were going to start. Sorry, with... Robbo. It was Cam. Don't blame me for Cam's <laughs> indiscretions. One thing I'd like to say if you look up Satanic Panic on Wikipedia, hmm. the main Satanic pa- Panic page is South Africa, who has like, there was a whole lot of reading about Satanic Panic. Uh, so I didn't actually do any gear on that So I think we could, might be able to do that as a separate episode one day mm. uh, Anyway, where do we want to start? Shall we get into it? Salem Witch Trials? Sure Yeah. Alright, so it's the late 80s uh, The late 1680s that is Yep You've been working on that one all day? No <laughs> So, alright, the Salem Witch Trials But we was sort of went from like February 1692 to May 1693 Yeah uh, By the end of it uh, 20 people had been executed 14 of them were women mm-hmm. uh, Five other people, including two like children, mm-hmm. died in jail Which is probably mentioned If you find uh, stuff about children being murdered or Imprisoned uh, Yeah, imprisoned <laughs> or molested uh, I would skip this episode Yeah There's a fair bit of that But Salem, Massachusetts is where it all goes down Mm. But it sort of starts a little bit earlier It also doesn't really all go down on Salem Like most of the trials were outside of Salem Yeah And the Massachusetts wider Oh, have you got got a bit? Oh, no, there was like like a few little areas around Mm. Because there was Mm. the city of Salem There was also Salem Village Yeah And then there was like a few little towns around Yeah, yeah It was all around that general area Yeah But it all really starts in Boston in the late uh, 1680s, so like 1689. Mm. So there's this family called the Goodwins, and they have a housekeeper called Anne Glover. And, uh, yeah, 1689, she gets into an argument with the Goodwin children. I think they accuse her of, like, stealing stuff out of the laundry or something. She's like, hang on a second, I'm the grown-up, you're the children. Uh, You don't get to go around making accusations about me. And they're like, oh, if you thought that accusation was bad, <laughs> check this out. They start acting weird. Uh, they complain about like neck and back pain. They make loud or random cries. So they'll just start yelping randomly. Uh, they flap their arms around like birds. Yep. S- sounds like kids. Yeah. Sounds like, No, it sounds like they're bloody sick. Better get a doctor in. See what this is all about. Give him a slap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I say it sounds like kids, I mean it sounds like dickhead kids. Yeah. Uh, they get a doctor in and the doctor says, look, there's only one thing this could possibly be. Right. Witchcraft. Oh. Guaranteed. Modern medicine. The... Did the doctor... See, whenever I think of Salem Witch Trials, I think of people with big, like, tall hats with belt buckles on them. <laughs> Did he have one of those with, like, a little reflective... <laughs> a reflective mirror. Yeah. <laughs> So they're like, it's witchcraft. It's clearly Anne Glover. They question her, at which point she stops speaking in English. Ooh. She refuses to speak in English. Uh, at first they think she's speaking the devil's tongue. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're like, oh, she, the devil's fully taken over here. Then they realise she's just speaking in Irish. Right. <laughs> Irish? Gaelic? Gaelic. But uh, one of the key things you can do to prove that you're not a witch is to recite the Lord's Prayer. In English, okay, which she cannot do. Oh. She can recite it in other languages, yeah. like Latin, but uh, just not in English, which is uh, doesn't help her case. I mean, English is definitely how Jesus would have said it. 
when he said the God's Prayer. Uh, I know my Bible. So she gets put on trial for witchcraft. She's convicted. Yep. It's partly based on something called spectral evidence, which is going to come up a few more times in this. Mm. Spectral evidence is uh, evidence from dreams. So uh, if let's say I had a dream about you, Robo. Actually, it, no, that's probably not repeatable. But let's say you had a dream. Isn't that how Freddy Krueger got arrested? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. Freddy Krueger rules apply. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you have a dream and in your dream a person comes to you and says, oh, I've done a spell on you then that's admissible in court as okay. evidence against that person. Yeah, makes sense to me. So the... Um, and if the, if during the dream you grab their hat and then wake up and you've got their hat in your hand, yep. definitely Freddy Krueger. Definitely. But if you did that, like if you had a dream and you grabbed someone's huge belt buckle hat yeah. and you woke up with it, then I would say you can S- admit that into court. <laughs> <laughs> Even then it's a tough sell yeah. I, I think You ta- just got that hat from down the street Yeah I say take the free hat Be happy you've got a free hat Yeah So The lead detective on the case and When I say lead detective I mean the, the main priest yep. Who was running this investigation Was a guy called uh, The Reverend Cotton Mather He said it was okay to admit the spectral evidence Into court But you had to have other evidence Just in case it was the <laughs> devil doing a trick because oh. the devil could show up in your dream as anyone and yeah, be like, yeah. oh, I've done a spell on you. So you have to have other evidence. Like, yeah. Wait, are you Mr. Henry from down the street or the devil? I'm Mr. Henry. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So she gets convicted. Yeah. Uh, Cotton Mather wrote a book about it called Memorable Providences Relating to Witchcraft and Possessions. And he wasn't wrong. They were memorable. Because uh, a guy called Samuel Paris read that book mm. when he was in Boston. And then uh, he moved to Salem to be the new minister for Salem Village. That's where all things start to go wrong for the poor random people of Salem. Yeah. So uh, February 1692, uh, his daughter and her cousin, so it's uh, Betty Paris and her cousin Abigail Williams, they start having fits, mm. very similar to the ones that have been had by the uh, Goodwin children. They throw things. They're making weird noises. They crawl under furniture. You know, that weird... Imagine if you saw a child... Crawling. Crawling under... Like, getting under furniture. For a start, yuck. Yeah. Who knows what the ground's like in that whatever time... Yeah, it is. 1692. Gross. I would be more freaked out if they, like, did it fucking bent over backwards like a crab. Yeah. Well, they we did, don't know that, didn't They did apparently contort themselves into, like, strange positions. Yeah, right. That's mm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I do wonder, it's like, you know, The Exorcist didn't come out until the 70s or whatever. And then, like, the really good contortions in The Exorcist didn't come out till they released they CGI'd them. CGI'd them later. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to think that, like, a 1690 contortion is probably, like, not that impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like they didn't have The Exorcist remastered To compare it to No None of the devil's yoga out there to But we don't have any pictures either So maybe it was super cooked And that's why they freaked out so much Maybe But uh, they also They were like Oh we're being pricked with pins That sort of carry on Uh, Their neighbour Mary Sibley Mm. Was like Simple bloody solution to this We need to make a witch's cake Now Mary Sibley Big mistake (laughs) Yeah Sounds (laughs) Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is a little bit of white magic that you can do at home. 
So take some urine of, the, of the afflicted person. Of the okay. Uh, take some rye. Yep. Make a little cake. Then feed that cake to a dog. Okay. And then you'll see whoever has done the bad spell on the person will be like, ah, I feel like I'm being eaten by a dog. Mm. Because when you put a spell on someone, you know, you do the evil eye. Yeah. You're actually sending particles through the air from your eye into that person, which they then piss some of those particles out, which ends up in the cake. So then the dog is like eating the, the bad witch. Bad particles. That is interesting. And this might come back up later on. Yeah, it does. But, uh... I mean, me. I don't know what you've got planned, but... They get um Samuel Paris's slaves to okay. make the cake. So he had a Tichuba, who was his lady slave, mm-hmm. and her husband, John Indian. They bake the cake. Uh, it gets out that this cake has been baked and causes a bit of a stir. Oh, you've got a good cake going on. Uh, Do you hear about bloody old Mr. What's-His-Face cooking a piss cake? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mary Sibley has to apologise to everyone in church, which I bet at the time she's like, oh, so embarrassment. That's because she the next week she baked a thing for church in the same pan. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, though, like in a few months she's like, i got a fairly light, considering (laughs) what was about to happen. (laughs) Uh, Tituba doesn't get off so lightly. Uh, They sort of... Samuel Paris, like, I think probably, maybe this is partly to save face because now he's been dragged into this cake business. Mm. He, like, gets them to name someone. He's like, tell me who's done this to you. Like, how are they supposed to know? But uh, they name the maid. Right. Or the slave maid, Tichaba. Uh, she confesses that it's all true. Mm-hmm. Uh, after being beaten <laughs> severely. Like, how else do you get someone to confess? I was going to say, like... No one really confessed freely in any of this, did they? <laughs> no. No Ex- one was like, oh, you got me dead to rights, some of which. Except for Mary Sibley, who made the cake. Yeah. But that was white magic. <laughs> yeah, still though. But uh, yeah, Tichuba names a couple other people. So they end up with three people being named, who are Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tichuba. Okay. And the thing that all these people have in common is they're sort of outsiders. No one really likes them. Mm. I think one of them, uh, one of the things that was sort of counted against them was they wore a lot of black. Oh, yeah. Which you'll see come come up again later in the next part of the uh, podcast. I just want to point out that I think we are all wearing black at the moment. All all black. Yeah. So uh, one of the other people that gets involved is a a young lady called Anne Putnam Jr. Mm. So she joins in with the accusations. So they've got these three outsiders that have... Sort of being blamed for all this, which is fine. But uh, then in March, more people start getting accused. Uh, one of them is Martha Corey, uh, who was a woman who was clearly a witch because she did point out that the girls were all lying. Mm. She's like, they're clearly making this up. Because it started with the two kids, right? But then a whole bunch of other kids started telling stories as well. Yeah. It spread around. Yeah. It's a meme. Yeah. But yeah, this woman, Martha Corey. So this is the thing. People are like, oh, it's mass hysteria, but it's like clearly some people were like, no, this is so stupid. Yeah. Martha Corey was like, no, they're making it up. Mm. I can tell you that it's not happening. Yeah. Anyway, definitely a witch. Yeah. Uh, another person who got called out was uh, Dorothy Good, mm-hmm. the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good, yeah. who'd previously been accused. Uh, she confessed. Okay. 
because she's a four-year-old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just, they got her to just start laying it all out. It's like, right, I'm sure the interrogation techniques for four-year-olds were not that great. She would have had a legal guardian present, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also another woman who was accused was Rebecca Nurse. Okay. She was in like her 70s. She was an elderly sort of church-going woman. Mm. Uh, she actually got found not guilty because so many people testified in her defence that she was, you know, a good woman. Yeah. That they're like, oh, we can't possibly find her guilty. Having done that, the one sensible thing they've done so far, they then appeal that decision. <laughs> <laughs> they retry her and the fatal thing for her is uh, when she's on trial, the jury asks her a question. She'd said something about uh, being in, like, company with one of the other accused witches, meaning that, you know, they were bo- the thing they had in common was they'd both been accused of this, mm. not that uh, they were both witches. Mm. Unfortunately, because she was a 70-year-old woman, when the jury asked her to clarify what she meant by that, she didn't hear them, mm. so she didn't answer. So they just assumed, oh, she's, she's, sa- she's basically saying she's a witch. I feel like you're making a few excuses here for this nurse, isn't he? So then they found oh, her guilty. Oh, she was just She didn't know what was going on. Just named Nurse. Yeah. So they found her guilty. Oh, yeah, right. Her name was Nurse. Sorry. Sentenced her to death. Yeah. And then they're like, we can't hang a 70-year-old woman. So the sentence was like commuted. And then that was overruled. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, we can hang her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's just the same as any age. Yeah. So it was bad luck. But then that was sort of a that was a big change because you'd had these three women who were originally accused who were like everybody hated, mm. and now you had these three people being accused who were a beloved old woman, four a little year old girl. a four year old girl, and like the, uh, this other woman who, besides not being on board with hanging random people, everybody was like she's all right. Yeah. So now, if these church going people could be witches. Anyone could be a witch. All bets are off. That's where things got a little bit crazy, except they did press pause briefly. Uh, I think for about a month, they stopped doing anything. Uh, they wrote to the like most senior ministers in uh, New England mm-hmm. to get some advice on how to proceed. Unfortunately, the advice they got was from Cotton Mather. Right. Uh, you'll, you'll recall from before. And that advice was basically... Bloody great job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Good job getting those witches. Yeah. And then he's, he's like, just be careful with that uh, spectral evidence. Oh, but otherwise, yeah. great job. Keep it up. Yeah. He's like, it can't be easy having so many witches. So keep your spirits up. So how do they think witches came about then if that's like, do people get made witches? Is there like a king witch that... Started all this, or just I don't know. Because then, if they kill the king witch, do all the other ones turn back yeah. from being witches? I, mean, I think there'd been there must have been one witch to start with, and then she'd been recruiting other to, her, to a coven. Mm. Then because like, and what you do, you get a four year old and an old lady. Is the first. Yeah. Well, Tichuba like told these tales of like uh, communing with the devil in like field, dancing naked and things, and like a, a man in black coming to visit. And so shouldn't she have been because like that was the devil, not witches? Yeah. The devil is the devil all right? No, the devil's the devil's worse. Not okay. Huh. Okay. So then what happened? So but, but what happens if they're like, oh no, it's witchcraft, and she's like, no, no, it's the devil. I think it's the same thing. Just, yeah, just... a witch a witch would be hanging out with the devil. 
what kind of company up. you'd keep. String up regardless. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she was also saying, you know, people shape shifting and blah, 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 blah. Mm. Anyway, they get their letter back saying, yep, all good to go. Uh, and then they just went crazy. They charged like 64 people. <laughs> uh, and as mentioned, they executed 20 in the end. So jump to modern times. Yeah. And we're like, oh, you write to the church and you go, oh, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, good job with the witches. The Vatican today still like endorses exorcisms, doesn't it? No, I think they've they've pulled back off that. Really? Yeah, I don't. I'm sure, I read something recently where they were still like. I don't oh, know if it's no, an, okay. an official endorsement, but it's more of a look look the other way while yeah, it happens. Right. Kind of so thing. they still look. Oh yeah, okay. Look, um, yep, that definitely sounds like demons. Yeah. Go ahead with your exorcism. We we would not endorse exorcism. Wink, wink. Yeah. We don't endorse it, but you will need an old priest and a young priest. Yeah. <laughs> if you let us know if you're like hard pressed to find an old priest because yeah. they're in short <laughs> supply, <Yeah>. we, they're <laughs> they're either dead, yeah. the Pope, yeah. or tied up somewhere in court. He's <laughs> <laughs> taking the Catholic Church down a bit. <laughs> um, speaking of happening today in modern times, yeah, this legitimately still happens in Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Um, if if you've got the stomach for it, look up Papua New Guinea witch trials on the internet. It's very unpleasant. And exactly what you're describing here is someone just accuses someone of being a witch. Say so a kid gets sick and then says, oh, no, my neighbour did it. Hmm. Burned in public. It's very unpleasant what's happening. Yeah. Although, before we like slam the Papua New Guineans too hard, we're going to do a bit of podcast about how this still happened in America like 300 years after this stuff happened. <laughs> yeah, but no one was getting burned alive by the whole village. No, but they would still get put on death row. Yeah. So, they have 64 people charged. They These trials didn't seem like they took too long. Uh, you got so many people in a small town. Yeah, and I guess a, a common misconception is that they didn't burn them, did they? No, they hung them. They hung mm. them, yeah. You would uh, say, burn the witches. Mm, I think burning was Europe. So, this was happening a bunch in Europe at the time. Uh, all sorts of malarkey, which is kind of weird. I guess Salem, I don't know whether it's a pop culture thing uh, that we associate with trials of Salem when, if you were to look at Europe, it's happening a lot more. What happened a lot more might be Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The cat was called Salem, and that's how it's kind of. I feel like it our... might have been a thing before that. <laughs> no, probably I reckon Sabrina is how it got into our millennial minds. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Thanks, Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, spectral evidence played a massive role. Uh, they also had a thing called the touch test, which sounds like the most cooked legal thing ever. Yeah. So the way it would work is that uh, the idea was if someone been, had been afflicted by a witch, mm. if they were having a, like a demonic fit and then the witch touched them and they stopped having the fit, then it was proof that that was the person who had affected them. So they would put the accused witches in blindfolds, mm. have them go over to the teenage girls, touch them, and then if they stopped having a fit, then they were definitely a witch. Right. Now, doesn't it seem like it should be the... Other way around? The yeah. other way around blindfold-wise? Yeah. So that you could at least... I don't know if the where the defence attorneys were during all this... <laughs> But if you were a witch, like, would it not be if the teen's having a fit, send the witch over to touch them, and if they stop having a fit, it's definitely a witch. Mm. I'm assuming a lot of people got found guilty that way. Yeah. Mm. 
But I think like, everyone they did it on, they got found guilty that way. But wouldn't it be more likely that if they were really a witch, they would make the kid keep having a fit because then they wouldn't get they wouldn't get found guilty. Thus, if the kid stops having a fit, they're not a witch. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Also, if uh, uh, a witch was causing me to have fits, I don't want that witch to then come over and touch me. Well, that's just it's a scenario that I'm not into. But if you're season out. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, fair point. Unless you're just massively faking it. Yeah. yeah. I think part of the reason why they were okay with this weird... Like, what you just said, Salty, makes perfect sense. Yeah. But the reason why they're like, no, 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 Salty, it's because they had these weird ideas that you could apply rules. Like, they had these rules that they had for it. Yeah. Like, there was science. Like, with the with the cake, there was science there. They're like, the particles came from the eye, right. went into the urine. Yeah. Here, it's like... Even the most powerful witch can't control this. This is just the rules. If they touch them, they stop them. Now, it doesn't have to be that way because they're just made up rules. Yeah. <laughs> so the last couple of episodes, mm. I've talked about Urgot. Yes. Yeah. This comes up in the story as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, a lot of people think this is Urgot poisoning, which is the poisoning on the rye. Mm. And the cake was tied into it. Where, like, if people were given the cake that was made with rye, because a lot of these cakes were made with rye, yeah. it same, made things worse. Same rye that fucked the kids up in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it made yeah. it worse. Um, but now it's just got ergot-ridden urine in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're feeding the dogs these cakes made out of ergot piss and ergot rye, and the <laughs> yeah. dogs are just dripping massive balls well, fripping out. What's another weird thing is there is a somewhat of an urban legend. It might be true. I don't, I've never actually researched it. That... The if you pee after if you take LSD, yeah. you don't pee for the entire trip, and then you pee afterwards. You can then consume it and then have that same trip again. The exact same trip, pretty much, because the the way that LSD kind of tricks your brain into thinking like one certain pattern. Basically, it's like this is how we're going to look at things for the next, you know, whatever this is in our system. Mm. You get rid of that. That sounds like some LSD thinking. Yeah. And then and then you chuck it back and then you got the same thing. So they're not only giving these dogs already someone's dosed up ergot that's gone through their system. They're double dosing with the more rye. Yeah. No wonder everyone's worried that everyone's a rich because everyone's just massively tripping. But it's the... The dogs are tripping now. They weren't feeding the cake to humans. Yeah, but the dog then suddenly going to freak out, and that's going to be a sign of something, surely. Yeah. Uh, the See, I, thought that was, I thought that's what the thing was. If they gave The kids were flipping out, so they gave the witch piss cake to the dog, and the dog starts flipping out. They're like, well, definitely a witch. Incidentally, witch piss cake, their second album, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's our new band name. <laughs> witch piss cake. <laughs> so... They also they tried to do like this using the same science. Yeah, they're like we've got a few like animals that have clearly been poisoned by witches. Let's cut their ears off, feed them to a dog, and see what happens. Cut their ears off. Yeah, it's a bit rough. Yeah. Well, you know, no pun intended. Dogs say rough. Guys, cut that. Cut that. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's a good one. Some theories. One, of course, is Ergot. Yep. People love to blame Ergot. Oh, I know, right? Leave the rye alone. Do you think in like a hundred years' time, people are going to look back at Donald Trump and be like, oh, probably Ergot. Yeah. <laughs> They're all cooked definitely. on the Ergot. <laughs> They're gonna, they'll be like Monsanto accidentally. <laughs> but what if that's what it is? <laughs> Monsanto just dosed the Midwest with yeah. Ergot. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, Ergot is a big one. People love to blame Ergot. Yeah. Uh, there is a... Woman called Emily Oster. 
mm-hmm. who went and she mapped spikes in witch trials and saw where they coincided with sharp drops in temperature. So temperature drops, witch trials go up. Okay. Because a lot of crops are dying. People are like, who am I going to blame? Witches. Witches. Mm. And so then, you know, tensions are high. Yeah. People start getting blamed. Uh, there's a really, really solid theory that I might get to in a second. I just want to drop a couple of cooked ones in. Mm. Uh, of course, there's a theory that they were witches. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which there's very little evidence for, except they all note two incidences. Except uh, all the spectral evidence in the piss cakes. Yeah, yeah besides that. <laughs> uh, on July 191692, Sarah Good uh, was executed. Uh, the Reverend Noise asked her to confess. Her famous last words, You are a liar. I am no more a witch than you are a wizard. And if you take away my life, God will give you blood to drink. Guess what happened? Only 25 years later did Noise die of a hemorrhage and literally choke on his own blood. What? Only 25 years later. Yeah. But is that... Is that evidence towards the fact that she was a witch? Well, or she's some sort of, like, priestess? No, it's just, like, God... She's, like, evoked God down on him. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's not that high up in the priestess realm that God's like, oh, yeah, I'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. She's not super important. <laughs> no. He's, got, he's gotten through his backlog. Yeah. They've brought in bloody... All right, new waterfall. Is that an agile joke? Does that make sense? No, no, If I say new waterfall. Next sprint. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It kept on getting pushed back to the next sprint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are we going to kill... Are you going to kill that judge? (laughs) That priest? No, it's not in scope. (laughs) Uh, There was also the curse of Giles Corey, who was the husband of Martha Corey. Mm. He's one of the more famous people to be killed in the trials because he never actually got put on trial. He refused to plead guilty or not guilty. Is this the rock guy? This is the rock guy. Yeah. So this dude's epic. Mm. Oh, yeah. I know this guy. Carry on. There's two sort of theories behind why he did this. One is very pragmatic, which was that if he pled not guilty and then they convicted him, like the state could seize all of his property and it wouldn't go to his kids. Mm. But I did see uh, some people said, look, most of his property had been seized anyway, so it d- didn't really matter which means that this other reason is much more likely and it's much more noble, mm. if you like. Although, you know, we can cut a bloke getting when he tortured to death a bit of slack in the nobility terms, Robbo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not going him. <laughs> uh, so the other thing was he was so disgusted with the, you know, the miscarriage of justice that he could see going on that he re- refused to even take part in it. Mm. And so he refused to plead guilty or not guilty. And so they're like, all right, we'll just keep popping rocks on your chest. Until you either plead guilty or not guilty, he was like, "Fine." So they like laid him down in the street, right, and yeah. piled rocks. He's they, like, they "How many a, rocks could you possibly they have?" Put a big ball. plank on him, yeah. and you started loading, loading rocks. rocks. Yeah. Uh, they kept on putting rocks on, like I think the like ministers or whoever was doing this would also like stand on it at points. They kept on loading rocks on, and they're like, "You're going to plead guilty or not guilty?" And he was just like. More weight. Yeah, he was into it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently at one point, and this is quite gross, fair warning if you're eating, mm. pause for a second. Uh, his tongue like swelled up so much while he's still alive, they just had to keep ramming it back into his mouth. Yeah. And just keep piling that pressure on. 
not great. His last words were more weight. Although there was also a suggestion that his very last words were a sneaky little curse on the town of Salem and its Uh, sheriff. Yep. And so that from that came the curse of Giles Corey, which is a two-parter. It's two for curse. Mm. Uh, Part one: any sort of uh, like bad thing that happened in Salem, people would say that uh, his spirit was seen just beforehand, looking fucking smug AF. Yeah. Like he's like. This is what you get. Yeah. Shouldn't have tortured me to death. He's like the Salem Mothman. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And part two of the curse was that uh, every sheriff of Essex County, which was the sheriff that had done this to him, uh, died of a heart or blood problem for the next 300 years. Right. Until they moved the office in like the 90s, our 90s. Yeah. They, did, they right. moved the office to like a different town and then they stopped dying of heart attacks. Now, some people have said, you know, it's a very stressful job probably. Yeah. But still. Cool though. Yeah, good on them. Curse that town, buddy. But yeah. That, that's, I mean, I couldn't find anything. I did find a few people uh, actually on Reddit who were like, yeah, well, clearly they were real witches. Mm. Really? And, yeah, and okay. we can see they were clearly part of the same satanic whole thing that we, we're dealing with today. Ah. Uh, and the other thing before I get to what I think actually happened was, do you remember Miles Mathis, the uh, PDF guy? The guy was like, if this was a real, if this was a book and not just a PDF, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this would be like a proper book. <laughs> uh, Salem Witch Trials, false flag. Really? Oh, oh. So he notes that uh, Samuel Paris was a merchant, mm-hmm. a wealthy merchant before he became a minister. Uh, where he says merchant, I think you can very safely read Jew oh, with a massively okay. hard J. Yep. Uh, he has looked at like different histories of the Salem witch trials and of the people involved, and I think there's a few like dates that don't match up between them, like because it all happened 300 years ago, mm. and so everyone's sort of basing it on like like paperwork from the time and stuff, which isn't always. Mm. You know, the same. They didn't have the blockchain. No, you could get the blockchain going on. <laughs> the Salem Witch Trials was a problem massively in need of a blockchain. <laughs> so he sees that all these dates from like different sources and things don't quite match up. I think there's probably a typo somewhere. Yeah. Um, anyway, he says Samuel Paris didn't have enough time between being a merchant and when he went to study the ministry to have become a minister. So therefore, he's clearly a fake minister. He's rocked up to Salem. He's like, why would the people in Salem have just let this random fake minister be their minister? Unless he wasn't really. Uh, The whole, all of the trials were faked. Right. All of the executions were faked. And the idea was to destroy the credibility of religion. And so that would remove the religious influence from the government of Massachusetts did not work. Uh, which would then stop them interfering with free trade, ah. which the Jews needed to do. So it's a globalist conspiracy. Yeah, it's pretty the, much. The, almost the original. Yeah. Interesting. All right. What do you believe? That's the one you believe. No. All right. Nick, Nick Sigmund. <laughs> so I think this is probably right. Uh, there's a guy called Robert Califf, mm. who was another merchant. Uh, he wrote a book, though, called... Uh, more Wonders of the Invisible World, which was a, 
I don't know, people were like, oh, he was so witty. Mm. <laughs> uh, it was a takeoff. Cotton Mather released a book about the trials, the Salem trials, called Wonders of the Invisible World, being an account of the trials of several witches lately executed in New England. Mm. So I will say that the other book titles catch you. Yeah. But uh, he wrote a book and he accused Samuel he, Paris. He of, should have called it Two Wonders, Two World. <laughs> he said Samuel Paris was like uh, creating paranoia and panic mm-hmm. to help shore up his own position in the town. Because yep. uh, shortly before this started, in October of 1691, the town had actually decided to stop paying Paris. Because ah. they were like, this guy's shit. Yeah. Probably because he's a fake priest. Yeah. Getting you bloody priest. Not this, not this merchant trader. Yeah. They'd run through a few priests previously. Uh, the town itself was pretty on edge already. Uh, it was probably ripe for something to go down. Mm. There was a big feud between two families, which were the Putnams. Uh, you would have heard Anne Putnam before. Mm. And the Porters. Uh, I think it basically revolved around like uh, the borders of the town. Like uh, one family wanted to move them somewhere and the other mm. family wanted them to stay put. And if they'd moved them, it would have benefited one family and would have sort of... Lessen the standing of the other one somehow. Mm. Anyway, apparently everyone had an opinion and there were like fist fights in the street about it. Really? Anyway, next minute, uh, all of this witch carry on happens and all of the Putnam people are the ones making accusations and yeah. pretty much everyone being accused is on the Porter side. It's a witchy Hatfields and McCoys. What's the Hatfields and McCoys? The classic, like classic feud. Classic, <laughs> oh, right. classic feud. feuding families. Yeah. Yeah, I think what I think is a combination of probably when the kids started doing it, they were like just maybe even doing something they'd read about in that book mm. or that they'd heard their dad talking about. And then it sort of got out of control like the original one did. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the guy probably did turn it to his own advantage. Yeah. Uh, it definitely helped. Yeah, I think the... It was the opposite of what Miles Mathis was saying. I think the religious uh, people tried to use it to shore up their own political position mm. to be like, we've got, don't worry about what we're doing. We've mm. got this bloody witch problem to deal with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it has backfired on them eventually where, you know, their credibility is sort of shot mm. after all this. Mm. But I think at the time it was a, probably there was a bit of cynicism going on and maybe a sneaky bit of ergot. Yeah, uh, do you know hear my theory? Yeah, Freddy Krueger. Yep. They got the whole town got Krueger. I do like like reading about it though, and it's like <laughs> eventually everyone in the town was just like, "Fuck, this is really a bit much, isn't it?" <laughs> 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 like they got they got a bit like, "Oh, guys, should this, we should we this, take a long hard look at ourselves here?" Is this what we want our brand to be? Yeah. Uh, do we? This is really what we want to be known as. To be fair, with time, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the town of Salem was like, oh yeah, good brand. Yeah, it's a good brand. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> and only you know, but, you know, there's probably towns where like their tourist thing more than twenty people have died. Yeah. yeah, that priest had said at the end of it when everyone was getting a bit disillusioned and feeling a bit off about it, he said, "Mate, don't worry about it. Just think of the tourism in three hundred years." <laughs>
Welcome back. All right. Skipping forward 290 years, it's 1980. Right. I don't know, Rubik's Cubes, jean jackets. You're going to tell me off if I say Hypercolor, aren't you? Well, Hypercolor's 1991. Oh. So, you'd be out. So... The punk hard, rock was just hard, way at, down. hard at work in the hypercolor lab. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> like so we've sunk so much money into this, <laughs> so much research. This would be perfect for the eighties. We need to get it done now. <laughs> Big hair, yep. Big hair getting in the way of the whiteboard, where it's got just a huge arrow going down, and it's like, what do we do? Hyper what? <laughs> Hyper sound? <laughs> Probably also in the eighties. Blackboard. Blackboard. Yeah. Yeah. He's Cam. This guy. Hyper touch. <laughs> so, let's not debate what that would have been. What was happening in the 80s? They so were hard at work on hypercolor. Late 70s is probably more accurate for this. Yeah, well, okay. So, what happened in the 80s, in 1980, is that a book comes out mm. called Michelle Remembers, which I think we can agree is where this sort of starts. Uh, sort of. Okay. Sort of. No. Could we say that it's a I ma- think so. majorly mm. contributing factor? Mm. All right. Where do you boys want to start then? We'll start well before they even bought the blackboard for the hypercolor discussions. Well, there was the kid. So I D and D when D Dungeons Dragons got famous. Yeah. Kid went missing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then. He was known to be playing D D and D, and then the investigator went along, saw uh, some pins. Yeah, pins in a, like a, a chalkboard. Oh, not a chalkboard, a corkboard. Yeah. yeah, and they were like the shape of an abandoned warehouse or steam works. It was yeah. He he looked at some pins on a board and went, "That looks kind of like the steam tunnels under the high school, which yeah. is where the kids apparently play. That's where all the kids played D and D. So this missing kid's probably down there playing Dungeons and Dragons. Wait, so was this all of the evidence that they had that he was playing Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, no, I think they knew that he was playing. Before. He was like a nerd, like an uber uber nerd. Yeah. When did this happen? This is nineteen seventy. Nineteen seventy nine. Okay. That kind of kicked off Dungeons and Dragons. Kids are, you know, the, the kind of urban myth started that kids are playing in, in abandoned places and they're yeah, killing themselves and killing and each other. Yeah, it's yeah. leading them to dark places and yeah, um, and that kind of just became how Dungeons and Dragons was viewed in the in the media and people thought that, that was like, yeah. you know, because it's well, you look at it, it's satanic and they've got creatures and they're doing these other things yeah. with it, spells, witchcraft, yeah. dark forces. But um, they, they put a posse together and went to the steam tunnels. Yeah. Was yeah. there anyone there? No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he wasn't there. Uh, basically, what had happened to this kid was he tried to OD on, uh, I can't remember what it was, but didn't manage to OD, woke up, went to his friend's house and like crashed out yeah. for a couple of days. But then and he then comes home. And just turned up home. Yeah, turned up home. Uh, he was also, um, he was a child prodigy, so he was 16 when this happened, but he was at university. Uh, and as a result, like of probably being a bit of an outcast, he is suffering uh, depression. Uh, he got addicted to drugs, uh, and is also coming to terms with his homosexuality as well. Yeah, but it was definitely the D and D. D and D was what led him down the yeah. path, not just being a, a social outcast. Yeah, can I say, as like a, a bit of a nerd when I was younger, D and D is a good uniting force for the social outcast. Definitely. Yeah, that's where they all gather. Did you enjoy a bit of D and D? I love D and D. I used to play it all the time. I wish I, I wish I had a chance. Oh, so good. Maybe salty. You could be our dungeon master. We start a game. Could you? Probably. I'd be so in. 
So, so that's what kind of kicked it all off. That kicks off the Dungeons and Dragons. He he did then eventually commit suicide. Yeah, that kid, and I think they still blamed it somewhat on Dungeons and Dragons. And that was kind of, I guess, coinciding with the book. Yeah, happening, and also a lot of like preachers, uh, the televangelists or the evangelist preachers, kind of coming to prominence and saying, "Oh, Satan's going to get us!" And look at this, what the kids are doing. There's a couple of famous. Um, Evangelists around that time that kind of started in the late seventies that had claimed they were in the Church of Satan, mm. which I think first started in like sixty eight. Yeah. Um, turns out they weren't at all. Yeah. One of them famous, uh, Michael Warnke. Yes. Uh, the comedian. Yeah. Did you see his comedy? There's a, there's a really unfair video on YouTube of his comedy where he's doing these bits. Yeah. That are just they're really bad. Have you got some of them written down there? I didn't write them down. Uh, I made a comment. Mm. Uh, Mitch Hedberg, yeah. but really, really bad. <laughs> uh, but then he'll go between like observational comedy, you know, like a, a throwaway comment about airlines, what? And then he'll be like straight into child. Oh, but that's the thing though. That There's a video on YouTube is edited. Oh, okay. But they're like, uh, he's like, makes this really asinine joke. It's like, I don't know if you've ever, I can't remember what any of them are. All I can remember when I try to think of it is uh, like Dan Ninen jokes. Okay. Do you know him? No. He's like, oh, you need to do an episode on him. Okay. <laughs> He's this guy. He used to work for like Intel or something. He's this comedian and he kept on getting quoted in all these like uh, articles about millennials. Right. When he's clearly like 50 years old. <laughs> And, like, if you look at his timeline, it doesn't make any sense for him to be... He says he's, like, 30 years old. Mm. But if you look at his time, his career, like, before he was a stand-up comic, when he worked at Intel and stuff, he would have been, like, 13 years old. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. So he's just lying, but he refuses to admit it, even though it's so obvious. And there's, like, some arrest record that's got his real age on it and stuff. <laughs> but he's got a bit where he's, like, uh, I'm a... Uh, I'm half Indian and half Japanese, so uh, I get my sushi at 7-Eleven. So jokes on that sort of level. Yeah, that level for sure. Mike Wonky's doing, for but sure. then in this video they edit it, so then the next thing he's saying is like describing like the rape of a child. Yeah, by Satanists. Um, but to be fair, he is on the same stage, so like he's warming up the crowd for that <laughs> the, the demonic rape gear with bad jokes. Yeah. So you're like, even if you have edited it. It's the still the same. Still in the same. Yeah, yeah. Set. Yeah. Um, so there was him. There's another guy that I came across called Stephen Dolans. Mm-hmm. Uh, he apparently was ex high priest in the Church of Satan. I think he came a little bit later. His Twitter profile is, is on Twitter at the moment. Oh, is he still around? Yeah, yeah, still around preaching. I think he kind of popped up in the '90s, but he. You look at the footage of him, and you're like, I was like, oh, this is from the '70s. Yeah. And he starts going about like Pokemon. Um, and hypercolor t-shirts. Yeah. Um, his Twitter profile says, um, author of Under the Spell of Harry Potter, saved by Christ, ordained prophet, karate enthusiast, yep. pro wrestler. Yep. Um, he doesn't do comedy as such, but he tries to get some jokes in there. One in particular, which I wrote down because it fell so flat. Uh, he said, uh, you know, I've been traveling around America so much. You know, I've been flying so much. They must have a plane with my name on it. And he kind of paused for effect, and no one reacted because it's not a joke. Yeah. And he's like, "Praise God." Right. <laughs> and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> did yeah. you come across Eric Pryor? I did come across Eric Pryor. So he was another guy. Um, 
I found him in the Law Enforcement Guide to Satanic Cults. Yes, I Which is a that. massively cooked video you can watch on YouTube. Before we get into that, because I think there's probably a lot of gear on that. Yeah, we will get in. We'll get into that, but look, I okay. just want to talk about Eric. Okay. So I'm watching this, and this guy, Eric, comes on, and we'll talk about what he says in the video later. But I was like, what is this guy's deal? I looked him up, and he, uh, he got murked by a bus a couple of years ago. Right. But in his obituary, which was like on a Christian website, uh, you know, it's quite generous, but it makes mention of him converting from Satanism to Christianity. But even in this obituary, which is normally, you know, fairly softball, a uh, bit of journalism, mm. normally they you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shave the edges off in the old obit. Yeah. Unless you're like a war criminal. <laughs> uh, even in this, they mentioned that some people had doubts about his conversion. Right. So what had happened is he, uh, he was a Satanist uh, in the 80s. Uh, and this televangelist came to San Francisco, this guy called uh, Larry Lee, who was like a massive homophobe, massive, you know, fundamentalist Christian. Mm. And he was, and gonna, he was an evangelist. Yeah. Yeah, it seems unlikely. He was going to do a, like a prayer breakthrough. I think they're going to try and pray away the gay from San Francisco. Mm. It's like, you know, what a bring a slightly bigger bloody... <laughs> yeah. Jesus himself going to come with you or... You want to bring some big prayer beads, mate? <laughs> two old priests and two young priests. <laughs> and just be careful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in response to that, a bunch of like local occultists uh, were going to do, on like Wiccans and things, were going to do a public binding mm. of this televangelist. They were going to counteract his prayer, right. keep San Francisco, friends and Francisco gay. Yeah. They clearly succeeded. Yeah, they won. In your face. But it was interesting. This was like spread out all across different articles, this story. Uh, when they were doing their public binding of Larry Lee, apparently Eric Pryor started like going off and like he had a candle, which he said represented Larry Lee. Mm. And he started hacking at it, which you're not supposed to do. Because mm. that's like, you've made that an effigy of the person, like in like good witchcraft, white witchcraft. Yeah. That's a real no-no. Because now you're actually attacking the person. You're causing them harm. You're not supposed to do any harm to anyone. So while they're doing the public binding of the guy doing the prayer breakthrough, he's doing this hacking of the candle and these other witches start casting protective spells over Larry Lee so that the bad spell happening oh. doesn't hurt him. And, you know, obviously that would be a PR nightmare yeah, yeah, if yeah. he got hurt by a spell. Yeah. So there's all of this magic and prayer going on. Bunch of nerds are running around going, magic missile, magic <laughs> missile. Lightning bolt, lightning, lightning bolt. bolt. <laughs> uh, I think like the next day or the next week, uh, this guy from the Jubilee Christian Centre, which was like another evangelist group that had some sort of connection to Larry Lee. They might have brought him out. Mm. This guy called Dick Burnell mm. uh, arranged a meeting with Pryor. Yeah. And from the like charitable... So, like, the charitable reading of what that meeting was was that they were like, hey, why don't you convert to Christianity? And he was like, oh, yeah, all right. I've found God. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, what probably happened, what's most likely happened, is that they offered him a huge amount of money. Uh, I think he earned, like, $100,000 a year in his first year of preaching. After he converted, he started making, like, really crazy claims about where he like what his position had been. Mm. He started with having seventy five followers. I think he ended up with fifty thousand by the uh, end of it. On Twitter? 
No, just that's how many followers he'd claim to have as a Satanist. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and then he started doing law enforcement seminars, which we'll get back into because law enforcement's a big thing. But then it's interesting, after he does all of this, a few years later he, like, backslid and became a Satanist again. Really? <laughs> and he ended up uh, living in, like, the house from Bewitched, the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and running like this weird little cult that seemed to mainly be about doing massive amounts of psychedelics. And there's, there's a really interesting article. Someone wrote the original article, The Witch Who Switched, about his conversion. Mm. And then a few years later, they did The Witch Who Switched Back mm. when they went and caught up with him. There's an interesting bit in the article where he's like taking them through a tour through the house and like everyone they meet in the house is just fucked out of their head. <laughs> <laughs> And he offers the journalist a drink and the journalist writes, I just had a vision of myself like gibbering in a corner and like some other journalist being given a tour. <laughs> <laughs> and then being like, yeah, they love it here. <laughs> so they refused it. And then uh, a minute later, he took a drink like out of the same bottle and let in. <laughs> I was like, ah, yep. That Ayukasa, I love it. <laughs> uh, ayahuasca? Yeah. It was like massively spiked drink. <laughs> um... So the other evangelist in the mix of all this uh, was John Todd. So I think he was around the same time as uh, Mike Warnke. Um, and he also claimed he used to be a, a Satanist and then became a fundamentalist Christian evangelist, uh, also convicted rapist and child molester. Yeah. yeah. So these are the guys that are pushing the, the, uh, the agenda at this time. But all of those guys coming out, even though they're like clearly massive conmen. <laughs> That gave real credibility yeah. to some of the other stuff that was going on. So, yeah, this book comes out, Michelle Remembers, in 1980, which is by a woman called Michelle Smith and uh, her psychiatrist slash later husband, Lawrence Padzer. That's normal, right? Marry psychiatrist, marry, marry yeah, yeah. patients. I think that's no actually... No ethical in, boundaries at all there. I think it's actually in the ethical code. Yeah, right. Uh, you if, have to. If you can hook up, yeah. you should do it. So, her book was all about how she'd attended these satanic rituals as a child. Mm. Uh, in the 1950s, uh, started when she was like five years old, and then finally culminated in like I think 1955 with an 81-day ritual in which uh, Satan was summoned. Uh, people were murdered. The Satan. The Satan. So Not yeah. just a Satan. The Satan. A bunch of people were murdered. They sacrificed. Did all these sacrifices. Satan shows up. Eventually, Jesus has to show up, and the Archangel Michael. And uh, those guys, like, stop, put a stop to everything. And they also wiped her memory until the time was right for her to remember it all, which was oh. clearly when she was an adult and she'd be able to handle it. Um, clearly, absolute bullshit. <laughs> but, I don't know, maybe the, uh, all the chemicals from the jean jackets had seeped into people's blood. Yeah. Because people took it seriously. Yeah. Doesn't that strike you as somewhat queer? Yeah. Uh, it's acid wash doesn't mean acid. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Because and people like people still wheel out those examples online. They're like, "Yeah, see, you got to read these people's accounts." There was a book about it. Yeah, it was in a book, not a PDF. Yeah, not a PDF. If this was a PDF, imagine the size of it. <laughs> You'd have to bloody download Adobe Acrobat Pro to read this. Stump up that cash. Uh. So even, but I mean, at the time, people were like, clearly not everyone's an idiot. Mm. Like, even back in the Salem Witch Trials, there were people that were like, hang on a second. So even back in the 80s, 
we still had some people that had some common sense. Mm. So someone like was like, all right, let's investigate the basic claims in this. Number one is that you claim that you were in an 81-day non-stop ceremony and yet school records show that you were never absent from school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you claim that your mother did all of this stuff with the Church of Satan. None of your sisters, who are not mentioned in the book, mm. have ever heard about any of this before. Mm. Uh, your dad says it's all made up. It's clearly all bullshit. Yeah. So that comes out, though. It starts getting read by, like, uh, social workers mm. as, like, a guide, <laughs> which leads to part of the, the... I think the biggest part of the satanic panic, or one of the big parts of it, was the satanic daycare scare. Yeah, so there's two different preschool trials that I came across. Yeah, uh, although this like this stuff happened to, like, 20 different preschools around yeah, the country. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I guess, sort of two, two famous ones, yeah. almost some of the most famous... Uh, there was the Martin Preschool yeah, the trial. McMartin. Uh, I didn't write down when it was. Sorry, McMartin. Um, but basically... It started in 1983. Okay. So, basically it was alleged that the McMartins who ran this daycare centre were doing all sorts of rituals on the kids. Yeah. Including um, flying, which is flying... Uh, Travelling in hot air balloons was one weird claim they made. That's just whimsical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, taking yeah down flying on umbrellas. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just classic daycare stuff. Yeah. That's just... <laughs> um, just we've got a visiting teacher from the UK. Yeah. She's flown down on her umbrella. Flying around the world in 80 days in a hot air balloon. Um, I could, chimney sweeps. Yeah. I could fall in love with. Apparently children were flushed down toilets and seeked into secret tunnels where they'd be abused. And then they'd like unflush them up through the toilet and they'd come out dry. That's yep. just classic train spotting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they sacrificed a baby, which again, it's just train spotting. Train spotting. If you've got a bloody baby on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Twisted his head around like a bloody witch. Uh, there's also a game that the children spoke of called Naked Movie Star, uh, which apparently meant they were uh, photographed nude. But then investigators found that there was a game, a, te- a thing that children would tease each other with, a little phrase that was, what you say is what you are, you're a naked movie star. They also claim that teachers chopped up animals. Yep. And that uh, they beat a horse to death with a baseball bat. Jeebus. So this, these accusations all came from one uh, mother. Yeah. She said her kid had reported all this. Uh, later mentioned that that mother was schizophrenic. Did she just hear the kid repeat... Oh, the teacher said today we're flogging a dead horse. Stop talking about something. (laughs) So she made that accusation. I think they must have at some point have been like, all right, she's cooked. But the police still send out a letter to parents asking them to ask their kids if they'd been abused. Mm. Uh, One thing I did see that a lot of this is sort of slated home to is like in the 80s, uh, child abuse was only really being taken seriously for the first time. Mm. Like up until that point, it was just like ignored. And that's mm. how you had things like all of the clerical abuse allowed to go completely unchecked. Because mm. even though obviously, you know, it's wrong, at some point they were like, oh, you know, it's just kids. Why would we destroy an yeah, adult's yeah. life over it? But it was just starting to be taken seriously. So, but they hadn't, I guess they hadn't worked out the kinks. Mm. Because they sent out a letter to all the parents asking them to ask their kids. None of these parents know what they're doing. Mm. They get the parents to ask the kids this. 
And, like, the parents aren't trained child care professionals. No. Like, they're not trained in how to properly question their children. So they end up getting a bunch of parents who come and say, look, my kid is... I asked my kid and they eventually they said, yes, I've, I was abused at the school. Well, I think a lot of them had sort of crazy similar stories. I grew up in the 80s and my parents, I don't think, were probably even qualified as parents. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, though, they're like, all right, let's get some professionals in. They bring in this one called the Children's Institute International who are like childcare professionals and a woman called Kay McFarlane who uh, question the children mm-hmm. on videotape so that, uh, you know, everything's above board. Mm-hmm. And they actually invent the, like the uh, show me on the doll where you were touched yep. thing. That's where that comes from. Uh, one other thing to note is that Kay McFarlane was of the opinion that there was a vast satanic conspiracy going okay. on. Okay, right. Uh, and the other thing to note is that when they were questioning the kids, it's like, no, did you watch Making a Murderer? Yes. You know, when the, like, they question the guy and they just keep on asking yeah, the yeah. same thing over and over until eventually they crack yeah. and just to get out of it, they confess. Yeah. So imagine how much easier it is when you don't even have to confess to doing anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. And you work out, oh, I know what you want to hear. I can say this and then I can go back and play because I'm a child. Yeah. So that's... Pretty much how it goes down. They keep asking them and like, if they say no, they're like, oh, that's funny because all of your friends say it happened. And they're like, oh, okay. Oh, then that that did happen. And yeah, just massively leading questions because they don't know what they're doing. Then they take the footage, just the bits where they say it happened and show that to the parents. Yeah. So they put these, they ended up putting these teachers on trial. Mm. It's the most expensive trial in like, I think it's still the most expensive trial in history. Yeah, it's like $15 million they spend on it. Yeah. Even though, like, they knew that the origins of it were completely cooked. Yeah. And that clearly no one was flying. There, <laughs> there, were, no, there were no secret tunnels under the school. They looked for them. They didn't find any. Like, none of this stuff happened. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I was looking at, like, some of the stats I read. Um, I actually read a, a report by a guy called Kenneth Lanning who was a supervisory special agent at the FBI in the behavioural science unit. Mm. They're like the mind hunter, mm. criminal minds blokes. He um, he wrote this big report on satanic ritual abuse and like a satanic crime. And basically his point was, look, I believed in all this stuff when it first started coming out. I was like, I've seen some shit. Mm, mm. Seen some like absolutely cooked shit happen. Mm, mm. But then as more and more of these things started being reported, I was like, this isn't happening. Mm. You couldn't, this couldn't be happening on such a wide scale where there's no evidence. <laughs> like if it's happening this often, there would be some evidence somewhere and there's just no evidence. Yeah. So uh, there's some stats about like kids and uh, like false abuse claims. I think it's something like two to maybe 10% of claims are false. Mm. And then of that, it's like one billionth of a percent is the children starting it. Yeah, it's right. It's always like an adult making the claim and then the kids, like the kids aren't lying. They're just getting like tricked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're saying what they think the adult wants to hear. Yeah. So the other um, one that was quite similar, uh, Fran and Dan Keller, who were actually convicted. And I didn't, again, didn't write down what year it was. Um, but the similar time, and some of the claims against them was they would have ceremonies with candles and 
uh, they'd dig up bodies and then um, dismember animals. An adult passerby was allegedly shot and dismembered with a chainsaw. Uh, children recalled several several plane trips, including one to Mexico, where they were sexually abused by soldiers before, before returning in time to for their parents to pick them up from daycare. Mm. So clearly, again, that was uh, all really, really fake. So they were yeah they were convicted for twenty years and I think eventually let out. Yeah, but like, oh, I think they got they didn't get a huge payout either. I don't know if it was this one or another one, but it was a couple of million, I think. Three. Yeah. But for being in jail for like yeah, yeah. 20 years or something. Yeah, like, what, what it, else are you going to do with your life now? It basically worked out, oh, it's like, oh, what would you have gotten if you were like a lowly paid childcare worker for 20 years? Yeah. Like, well, all right. It's chucking a few extra bucks for being in prison. Yeah. <laughs> being in prison as a child molester, like the lowest yeah, you could possibly yeah. be. Probably, I'm going to say in the old prison hierarchy, being a satanic child molester is Probably Pretty fairly low. Yeah. yeah, you don't have too many allies. No, in the joint. So they were, I think they were the two main childcare ones. Yeah, but there were like a whole bunch of other yeah. places. And part of the problem, and this is something this guy Kenneth Lanning talks about, is that you've got this cooked stuff going on, and it's like, well, now it makes real cases not look as real, mm, mm. which is a, pro- a problem. Mm. The boy who cried wolf. Mm. It's the other thing that kind of ties into the D&D thing and nerds yeah. is the same sort of panic that happened over heavy metal music. Yeah. So that kind of coincided with all of this. Mm. Also, like, kids committing suicide. Yeah. A whole bunch of kids that committed suicide all had something in common. What was it? They listened to heavy metal music. Yeah. And I was, It's always funny, like, there's a, an old interview with, I think, Rod Smallwood, Iron Maiden's manager. And he talks about when Number of the Beast come out and it just got labelled as this massively satanic album. Mm. And he talks about how they watched this thing once where they got all these Iron Maiden records together and all these Judas Priest records and everything and they threw them in the street and they started smashing them up. And they were like, oh, now let's burn them. And they burnt them. And when the smoke started coming up from the burning them, everyone ran away because they were scared. (laughs) 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 They were going to get like the devil's smoke. Um, but again, something that unites a lot of outsiders. Definitely, definitely. Like you know, metal dudes are all the same. The um, yeah, there's quite a few videos that I, I watched on similar themes. So one was about toys. Um, don't think I wrote the name of it down, but one guy's kind of made his living off like going and saying, "Oh, look at these toys; they're all satanic." Mm. Um, I think he's written some books. Can't remember if it was him or someone else, but about like Barney being bad for kids and. Um, one of them I watched that had a whole bunch of clips from She-Ra and Thundercats yeah. and they were like on oh, Scooby-Doo uh, and they're talking about like why these are bad and satanic. Cartoons back then were awesome. Yeah. Mm. Thundercats, it was great. She-Ra was pretty sweet. There was also uh, one called Doorways to Danger where they were interviewing a whole bunch of, I think it was Irish um, and it started off and they were like doing this just a casual thing and three young teens in a kitchen talking about things they'd heard about to, to each other so they're trying to act hey did you hear about that that kid that got you know satanically abused yeah it's becoming a real problem uh, and I'm interviewing one one girl when she, when she was in primary school she encountered a whole bunch of kids doing um, levitating yeah. and they were all standing around in a group and, and levitating someone someone's on the ground which is just that thing that kids used to do right yeah. stiff as a board lies a feather yeah yeah and she like freaked out. She joined in, and freaked out, and 
she reckoned she saw the girl's face contorting and all that, and then she's uh, probably laughing. Yeah, yeah. She's and, like, I'm being lifted up by a bunch of people's fingers yeah. due to the bloody distribution of my weight. Yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was like that was a really good example of kids. They get something in their mind, and then they perceive. Other, you know, innocuous things as being a satanic ritual. Mm. So she's seen kids chanting, levitating, and then she's like, ah, Satan. Yeah, you've got to chant so everyone's lifting at the same time, yeah. otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. Hey, I, I know. You don't need to explain <laughs> this to me. All right. <laughs> Did you watch the Oprah video? Oh, I think I started it and didn't finish it. With a guy who looked like a Romulan? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, there was this guy on stage with his missus or something, and he looked... Smug as fuck. He looked like a real dick. And he had this like cut, fringe cut really square across. He looked like a Romulan. And he was talking about how he's like a high priest in the Church of Set and blah, blah, blah. And he was in the military and he's... Oh, I did see that guy. He's all talking about how like the military didn't care about his religion. It doesn't matter. It's not bad. It's just this is the way he lives his life, blah, blah. And then some nerd in this crowd stands up and goes, I used to be in the Church of Satan and... We got involved one weekend with a ritual and murdered someone. And the smug guy goes, oh, who was involved in the ritual? The local high scepter of the Church of Satan in your area? And he goes, yeah, and about seven other people. And we had all these knives and then this person got murdered, blah, blah, blah. And Oprah's like, oh, well, you know, what happened to the person? Oh, they never found their body. I don't know what happened. I had a, I blacked out and I had a mind. My mind went blank and I lost my memory and... No one really knows who got <laughs> murdered. I don't know if I did any of the murdering. And he goes on and on. And this smug dickhead just goes, well, this is clearly bullshit. <laughs> He's like, the Church of Satan doesn't have local high scepters in each area. They have a one high priest, which is Anton LaVey. Blah, 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 blah. And just kind of like entrapped him into like <laughs> saying all this really inaccurate stuff. Loving himself. Sick. He's just like... Are you fool? <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that kind of came up with a lot of the, the guys that claimed they were ex-Satanists turned evangelists and they're like claiming they did all these, you know, rituals and murders and things. Why is no one charging them yeah. with like, hang on, okay, can you uh, come talk to the FBI about this? So one of the other money makers was a bunch of these guys went into the uh, law enforcement consulting business. Yeah. So oh, let's talk about the law enforcement guide to satanic cults. Yeah. Which is this cooked video. It's uh, what is an hour and a half, so it's probably it's a it's a long thing to watch, but it's worth skipping through, I think. Yeah. But um the bit with Eric Pryor is interesting. Yeah. Uh he like <laughs> he's showing off this park in San Francisco. Yeah. He's like Parks like these uh, attract two sorts of crowds, uh, the occult and homosexuals, and uh, they often go hand in hand. <laughs> but then uh, he takes the camera crew for a tour through this park where, you know, the sort of park that might just possibly be used by occultists. Mm. Uh, it's it's uh, chock-a-block with satanic graffiti that has clearly just been painted. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny, it's like... It's like, let's have a walk. Oh, look, there's a pentagram on this tree. And then at one point he's like, you can see the uh, the, the paint is really fresh. I think he touches that, yeah. but it doesn't show his hand. Yeah. He's clearly just got paint on his hand. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's a couple of days old. <laughs> um, he also, in that park, finds a rope. And because this is a guide for law enforcement, he's making sure, you know, 
there's a clearing here. This could be used for a ritual. Oh, and you've got to keep an eye out for things that might be used in, in rituals, like this rope. It's made into a noose, probably for an animal or something. And look, there's blood on it. These are the kind of things you want to look out for. Do you need to tell cops <laughs> if they're looking for a crime? Like, oh, look a, for bloody a, look for a bloody noose. Look for a bloody noose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mustn't be anything. We'll move on. Hang on, I did see that Satan thing recently. <laughs> Another thing in that video is that they, I think they like mocked up a uh, satanic uh, sacrifice oh, yeah. with a young bikini. Like they got this chick in a bikini yeah. to do it. It's like, this is creepy. Yeah, it got really creepy. She had like pentagrams drawn on her yeah. and the guy was like touching her. Yeah. It was a really this is some Me Too shit happening right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so the other one that I watched, uh, Escaping Satan's Web, Mm. Starring Sean Sellers It was an interview with Sean Sellers Who He murdered a couple of people I think it was For realsies? Yeah So he did committed two murders And then he was found out to have done another murder Like a couple of years before that Yeah At the time He was doing a lot of drugs mm. um, And just was like a problem kid And then he went on And did like a whole lot of media afterwards He did Oprah and Geraldo Rivera and all those Saying, you know, I'm a reformed Satanist and it was Satan that made me do it. It wasn't all the drugs and the weed. It was... Because weed would make you do that. Yeah. Um, weed murders are like the most notorious. Number one. Yeah. Um, but his step-siblings and pretty much all the prison officials and then the priest in prison... Uh, so he said he ref- he converted to Christianity and he yeah. was just like, no, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. He's, he's, he was never like... He was never Satanist and didn't need to convert. But this one um, had a list of... Things to keep an eye out for if you're not sure about uh, if you've got Satan Satanists in your community. Uh, occult graffiti. Yep. Mysterious murders. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, demand for occult related jewelry. Yep. I like how it just kind of escalates, then takes it back down. Shoplifting from candle shops. That's yep. a big one. Got to you have to get your black candles from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Dem- you don't want to pay for them. No. Demand for occult bookshops. Yep. You know how they do the thing in the paper, like a little vox pop. What do you think this town could would benefit for? Yeah. More parks, a skate park, a McDonald's, and a cult bookshop. Yeah, with yeah. a special section for jewellery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, inverted cro- crosses, grave robbing, animal mutilation, unusual marks, tattoos, or cuts. And it also has a list of uh, occultic themes. Oh, can I just can we hit pause? Yep. Yeah. Unusual marks was also something that they used as proof in the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, they've got a blemish. It's the, their witch's teat. So it's good to see we've progressed a lot in the intervening yeah. 300 years. Yeah. Uh, this is a list of things that are associated with uh, occultic themes. Demonology, witchcraft, mm-hmm. voodoo, murder again. Yep. If you know anyone murdering anyone, maybe just report it to the authorities. Rape, blasphemy, suicide. We have blasphemy thrown in there. Yep. Assassination, yeah, <laughs> insanity. They couldn't lump that in with murder. <laughs> yeah, uh, insanity, sex, perversion, homosexuality, mm-hmm. prostitution, Satan worship, gambling, barbarism, barbarism, cannibals, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, <laughs> necromantics, divination, and many other themes. So, if you come across any of those things. Did they have to have Satan worshipping in there? <laughs> just, just in case. I like how, like, barbarism, gambling, cannibalism, cannibalism. They're all just kind of in the mix there. Sex is in the mix. Yeah. Just sex. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But, like, there are a bunch of these guys going around selling this stuff to law enforcement. Yeah. Like, doing seminars. 
putting out books. Yeah. And it's like the Michelle Remembers thing was being like used by uh, child safety workers as like a guidebook. Mm. And then, then like law enforcement was like, yeah, we need stuff like this as well. Yeah. And so they were massively eating it up. And yeah, Kenneth Ladding is like all of these cops, because he goes around the country like advising on crimes and you get all these calls. Oh, there's something satanic going on. All of these cops have been to these seminars. Mm. All these cops who anytime like their cases are reported on in the media, they see how inaccurate they get it. Yeah. But then the second that these spivs rock up. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, this sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just on the subject of uh, law enforcement and Satanism. Mm. Something came up a few years later. I sort of feel like this was the end point of it, maybe, if it ever really ended. Mm. I still, I, the I, panic ended. Yeah. After a little while, everyone was like, oh, they were all so stupid. Yeah. I wasn't, but everyone else was. Yeah. <laughs> but like the last sort of hurrah for it was the West Memphis 3 case. Yes. Which was uh, Damien Eccles. I can't actually remember the names of the other guys. Mm, I can't remember them either. But it was like uh, three teenagers in West Memphis. And these three kids uh, were found dead mm. in like a creek. And there were sort of suspicious uh, cuts and marks and bite marks on them. Uh, and basically they rounded up the first metalheads they came across. <laughs> Even though there was like a thing where uh, there was like, oh, okay, so some guy was spotted covered in blood down the road uh, yeah. like the night before. Uh, don't worry about that. Yeah. We've got these metal heads yeah, yeah. <laughs> in custody. <laughs> this little punk we've been trying to get for ages. Yeah. Uh, one of them was like slightly developmentally challenged or something. Mm. And they basically got him to confess to it all mm. using classic making a murderer techniques. Yeah. And then he dropped the other two in it. And they're like, all right, case closed. <laughs> anyway, next minute, it turns out that everything they thought they knew about the case was wrong. Mm. Like all of the bite marks were explained like way down the track as being like animals. Mm. I think, I don't know if they ended up doing any of the DNA evidence stuff. There was like a whole big thing. Yeah. Because it ended up becoming a bit of a core celeb. Yeah. Because uh, clearly there was, there'd been a miscarriage of justice. Mm. And some docos came out about it. Paradise Lost. Mm. Uh, one, two, and three. Then I think, who's your mate? Peter Jackson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did a movie about it as well. Did he? Yeah. What was that movie? It's called like West of Memphis or something. Okay. Just not right. Meet the Feebles. It's probably Meet the Feebles. No. But um, they were like, they had the, they were partly prosecuted based on like a, a cult specialist that they had come in. Yeah. And there's actually another podcast you can listen to called the Truth and Justice Podcast, mm-hmm. which is like a true crime, true crime podcast, which is focusing on the uh, West Memphis Three at the moment. And their most recent episode is, as of recording, mm-hmm. uh, is basically just the recording of the testimony of that expert. Wow, okay. Talking about how uh, he came to the conclusion that there were like occult trappings to the the case and talking about, they ask him questions like, uh, so like the left hand and the right hand have significance in this and going through like the various bits of very flimsy evidence they'd found mm. that... Uh, there's something occult going on because yeah. I think they they because there was no motive for these kids to kill these younger kids. Uh, I think it was probably a fairly solid motive for one of their dads to have killed them. I think that's the the leading theory. Right <laughs> later on, but anyway, um, one of the things that they like 
were looking at was uh, Damien Eccles had had this book about uh, magic and he'd underlined like lines about uh, dark magic Ooh. throughout it. And it's like, clearly this is someone who's interested in black magic yeah. and Satanism. He's probably just scoping out lyrics for his metal band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, did you ever like write down quotes from things or like underline anything sick in a book? I think so. I know I did. Uh, I, know, I, I bet you did. Like, if you'd seen the drawings in the back of my books in high school, <laughs> yeah, locked up. <laughs> I had um, I had a like a notebook where I'd write down cool quotes from things. Yeah, I had like some sci-fi book I was reading. It's like the Not Wheel of Time or something. Yeah. And there was a quote in there. It was like, "If knowledge is power, then I'm a god." Whoa! I was like, "That's that's cool." I write that down in my little notebook, and then I like someone saw it. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> then, under it, he had written, revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> Klingon proverb. It was like, imagine like getting locked up for dumb shit you'd underline. Yeah. Um, they got out a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, on like the weird, this weird rule where yeah. they, had to, they had to admit that the state had enough evidence to convict them. Yeah. But that they were not pleading guilty. So they technically still... On parole. Yeah. For like 18 years or something. It's like hashtag guilty, not guilty. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's like this weird thing where it's like, all right, everyone gets to... Like, no one has to admit they were wrong. Yeah. When clearly you should be admitting you were wrong and finding the real killers. But anyway. um, So just on them, uh, I knew, knew obviously the Dungeons and Dragons connection to all this. Mm. So I looked up Stranger Things... Plus Satanic Panic or yeah. Stranger Things plus Satan or whatever. Obviously, there was heaps of YouTube vids, but one of them I found was tying Stranger Things in with West Memphis Three. Oh, really? And like all these sort of connections of the names, and Winona Ryder was friends with one of the lawyers involved in the final case, and all that. But it was like it was pretty. Boring. So Winona Ryder was famous. Was friends with a famous lawyer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> She wouldn't have needed one ever, though, would you? <laughs> uh, it was all, like, all pretty boring, except for they were... One of them had made a video about it prior. It was one of those Skype calls where they have, like, five dudes on all yeah. talking. One of them had made a video prior to it, so they were showing that video while they were all on the call. But every time, like, one of them shuffled, it replaced the video with their, yeah. their little avatar. <laughs> and so it gets me like that. It was terrible to watch. Uh the links were tenuous. It was a garbage video otherwise. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Get better organised. Yeah. Yeah. Thought yeah. so your video conference again. <laughs> yeah. Cut. If you try to make a if you try to make a compelling point. So yeah. Are we done? Yeah, sort of. Like, yeah. There's a I'd I recommend if you're interested, check out Kenneth Lanning and look up satanic abuse. Uh his whole FBI report. Mm. On it is on a website. What's it called? Religioustolerance.org or dot com. Mm. Maybe don't Google it at work. Mm, okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Religioustolerance.org sounds like it should be like a massively intolerant website. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it should be a trick. Yeah. yeah. It's actually about religious tolerance. Okay. It's like I think it's, it was a Christian, a Wiccan, a Buddhist, and maybe a Muslim or something got together and they're like, "There's so much religious intolerance. Mm. We should have like some sort of resource." For people interested in tolerance. <laughs> Did they walk into a bar? Yeah, I was like, where's the punchline? <laughs> and they've got, yeah, they've got all of sort of similar stuff and like just stuff relevant to all of those different religions available. Yeah. The, um, but the thing is, in this thing, he's like looking at all of the 
stuff that happened. So the thing about all of the abuse claims that were tied into the satanic panic thing is that they're all, none of them are quite right. Mm. They didn't really gel up with anything that we know about how child abuse really goes down. Mm. And this, I think, is also relevant to things like Pizzagate, mm. etc., which is that, so in these claims, they're like claiming that hundreds of different people, sometimes, like sometimes in an individual claim, it would be hundreds of people doing abuse mm. to thousands of kids, mm. which is just not what happens. No. It's individuals targeting individuals who are, you know, not connected. They're not, no one's going out there and abusing an entire class. Mm. They're picking vulnerable people mm. is what actually happens in clerical abuse cases and things. And then they were like making these claims like that they're flying them to places and they're, you know, doing all these things and they're filming everything. And like this is an actual law enforcement guy who's now saying there were all of these claims being made, these huge things happening all over the country, being taken seriously by law enforcement. And yet not a single, like we've got people looking at child porn to like solve crimes mm. and none of it ever appeared. Mm. Got taken seriously when it like there's so much on the face of it, not right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, his sort of conclusion in the end was that, you know, it was partly, it was just adults confusing things and some of it was like maybe mentally ill children Mm. and it all sort of added up to just this huge clusterfuck. Mm. Do we have any other gear? I do have one more thing. Okay. This is from my childhood. Oh, Chivas. Uh, when I lived in Indonesia yep. in like 1998, mm. there was this huge thing near where I lived. I lived in East Java. And there was this huge thing uh, in Banyuwangi, which is sort of on the eastern edge of Java. Mm. Sort of, you can catch the ferry from there to Bali, I think. And uh, we started hearing all these rumours about black magic ninjas. And so... Their uh, first album, Awesome. There were ninjas going around on motorbikes beheading people Jesus. for being black magic practitioners. Oh, oh, so the ninjas weren't black magic. The ninjas were anti-black magic. Yeah. Or the other rumours we were hearing were that there were ninjas going around on motorcycles killing people for being against black magic. Mm. So they were black, they were black magic ninjas killing people. Ah, okay. So we were hearing both of those rumours and no one knew what the fuck was going on. Anyway, I thought I'd look it up yeah. for this. I was like, 20 years have passed yeah. since 1998. I'll have worked it out by now. Yeah, not really. But what it, it turned out was the go was that uh, both of those things were happening. Right. People were being beheaded. So about 150 people were killed over like a fairly short period. Jeebus. Uh A bunch of like Islamic clerics were killed first by guys wearing all black and masks and things. Mm. And then after that, guys wearing all black and masks started killing like people they were accusing of being black magic people. So, but it all sort of happened at the same time. Yeah, right. And no one's quite sure what the actual go was. Right. But like, part of it was a bit Salem-y because like part of the criteria, if you were one of the guys killing black magic people, if like you showed up with your knives and things, and someone ran away. They were clearly into black magic. Ah, yeah. Because otherwise, why would you run? Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> there's been a few murders <laughs> and these guys with knives have just showed up. There was a conspiracy theory that was sort of put out by the new government, which is po- quite possibly true, that it was like the military was like 
killing uh, like Islamic, they killed the Islamic clerics mm. to like, because there was a big power vacuum in 1998 after the government was brought down. And so all of these Islamic clerics could have moved into those positions of power. Mm. And they're like, no, nah, we don't want that. Yeah, yeah. But we're quite happy with the way things are. Also, there was basically no police for a few months. So it was very hands-off policing as far as murders were concerned. Yeah. And so there might have also been quite a bit of revenge happening. So you had the Islamic clerics getting taken out for political reasons and then basically other people taking advantage of the fact that you had carte blanche to murk people. Yeah. Especially if maybe they'd been a little bit on the oppressing side uh, immediately prior to the revolution. Yeah. Now post-revolution you can sort of even the odds. Your primary school rumours were far better, far more exciting, I yeah. should say, than my primary school rumours. Yeah. Do we have any other business? Thanks for making me seem super young and cool by saying I was in primary school. And that. <laughs> were you in high school at that point? Yeah. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Well, like year seven or something. 98, yeah. Yeah. How's your, how's your Snapchat going, you crazy millennial you? Any other business? Um, I don't know. I've only got one thing. I've got a few other things, but well, it's only one pressing thing. Following on from the last episode, mm. where the State of the Union hadn't happened yet, mm. and Q- the QAnon people were certain that it was all going to come out. Yeah. It didn't. No, it didn't. Um, uh, QAnon is just limping al- along now. But didn't he make some sort of reference to something in the speech that they're like, ah. No. No, nothing. Not really. There, there might have been something little, but nothing think, that they grasped. No, there was, like, there was like one word, and they're like, ah, and then he did the rest of the speech, and they're like, oh. Yeah. I think they thought, ah, he's getting us ready. Yeah. Getting it's us primed. The, primed to just go off. There's there's some disillusion uh, in the people that follow Q at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I think the traffic's dropping. Mm. Uh, I think it's it's just going to peter away. Yeah. Um, but our friend, the Flat Earther, the guy that wanted to launch the rocket. Oh, yeah. Has uh, he launched it? He had the big launch the other day, did not get off the ground. Right. But did he blow himself up? No. Well, then I would count that for him as a win. <laughs> yeah. So, I can't remember if we discussed this, but it turns out he's got his pilot's license. Yeah. He was only going to go to 1,300 feet. So, like, you just climb up a big hill, mm. basically, yeah. a semi-mountain, uh, and he wouldn't be able to see the curvature of the Earth at that level anyway. No. So, as I think we mentioned previously, he was probably a, he's probably a shyster. Do you think he's pissed that Elon Musk got a rocket up today? Or got something, Definitely. Up, got something up in the air today? I did briefly but see but didn't bother to investigate. Miles Mathis has an essay called Elon Musk is Fake. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think maybe we need to do... There's probably enough Elon Musk gear for next week. Yeah. So, but what, do you, what did you reckon on our 52nd episode? What do you think about the Satanists? Uh, did you think it was uh, perhaps not so heartening that uh, in 300 years they hadn't gotten past someone wearing all black? Before they locked them up, no, yeah, it makes sense though. I can see, I can see, I can see why people get so cooked into it. Hmm. You get super into your crazy far right religion. You just like everyone that's different to me is crazy and and trying to kill me. You can see people just get themselves in their own hysteria. What I thought was interesting, something interesting I saw was that like in the eighties there were lots of like. So there was the Michelle Remember stuff and there was like movies about that sort of thing, like The Exorcist was big, like Rosemary's Baby. Those sort of movies got quite big. Mm. And we're sort of seeing now movies about Satanists and things are getting big again. 
It's like the Conjuring movies. Oh, yeah. And things like that. But all of these movies that are getting big now, they all have this, like, based on a true story thing. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of people out there who see based on a true story and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're, you know, we're on a cruising. Are we on a cruising for more of this? Nah, I don't think so. No, when people that believe in this have the ear of the president? Yeah, not for long. They don't have the ear for long or they're not going to be president for long because they're going to be brought down by Russia? Uh, Both. Let's say both. (laughs) Oh, the, the memo came out as well. Yeah, there's nothing to it. Yeah, there was no, well, it was just the memo was like, oh, just be aware when you're investigating Trump. Remember that the Steele dossier is like biased. Well, no, it showed that they used their own kind of media to renew um, the warrant to wiretap Carter Page. Hmm. So it was just basically they kind of fudged some data to wiretap yeah. someone, which they'd been wiretapping for ages anyway. Yeah. Nothing completely. Yeah, and also everyone on the planet gets yeah. wiped <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah should we wrap up? It. Yeah. yeah. Good year, boys. Yeah. yeah. Hope everyone listening enjoyed it. Mm. Jump onto our Redbubble, buy a shirt. A mug. Or, or a mug. Or a mug. Don't be a mug. Buy a mug. Hey. If you want to find us online, we're at hypotheticalinstitute.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Hypothepod. On iTunes, we're on wherever you get your podcasts. But if you jump on iTunes, you can leave a sneaky little rating and review. Mm-hmm. Leave us a, a rating on uh, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Where do they find you, Robo? You can get me at Isle of a Time on Twitter, Isle of a Time Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, anywhere, really. A lot of beer content. Oh, you want beer content? That's the first time you've pushed your Snapchat. Yeah, you sort of throw it in there. Yeah, a lot Pro- of beer content, a lot of being uh, trolled by the NBN content. Let's like not talk it. about the NBN issue, Cam. Salty, where can we find you? Uh, at Saltmarsh on Twitter, Andrew Saltmarsh Illustration on Facebook. Uh, you can jump on Patreon, check out Toe Hider. The, uh, the last song that come out is very conspiracy theory rich, Ooh. lyrically. I think we're going to chuck it on the end of we'll the We'll chuck show. it on the end of the episode. You can have a listen if, it, if you like it, if it's your kind of thing. A lot of people saying, is this the uh, Hypothopod theme song? Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, well, it's seven minutes long. We're not going to make it the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to see some Hypothopodders over on the pod, on the pro, uh, the Patreon. And if you want to find me, I'm at Sexenheimer on Twitter. And you can find Gather Around Me, which is my other podcast, on Facebook and iTunes. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hail Satan.
Thank you.